Winnaker Weekly is a three-episode-in anime discussion podcast where two brothers discuss a show of their choice. The show can be anything from a current season flop to a decades-old classic. What are they going to talk about next? Who knows? They sure don't. Let's get right into it. All right. Uh, so first thing on the news on our docket today is um, Fathom Events. This uh, We're doing a recap. Uh, mm-hmm. Fathom Events um, is taking on Krull this month. Fathom Events isn't doing it. It's oh, the Rift, Rift Tra- Tracks. Fathom Events is presenting Rift Tracks taking on Krull. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Rift Tracks is what happened to uh, MST3K. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, so it's just a couple of guys that uh, spend their time making fun of movies while they watch them live. And I have been to several live riff track performances. I've been to Samurai Comp. I've been to um, oh, I forget what the name of the show is, but there's a mo- there's a Halloween movie that's like a, a cult classic that was filmed here in Utah. Uh-huh. Um, they did a live performance of that. I went to their Mothra performance. All of them comic gold. So funny. I'm very excited to go see Kroll in live in theaters as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Kroll is, it is an 80s sci-fi fantasy movie that's as bad as it sounds. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those uh, market saturation <laughs> things that happened after Star Wars. Everybody was trying to do something yeah. sci- science fantasy. Yeah. Just, studios were filling the market with it. And this one... Happens to have both Robbie Coltrane and Liam Neeson as background characters. That's how old this movie is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we grew up watching it, we love it. But like, I will hardly agree with anybody who says it's that it's a bad movie because it is. It's a bad movie, but it's a bad movie that we enjoy. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so that's it for um, for, uh, for that bit. For that bit. Uh, next we have um, got um. I don't. I didn't get the name of the studio, unfortunately. But there's a studio that's been producing CGI Godzilla movies, oh, and yeah. it was going to be a trilogy. And the second one just released last month, um, and the third one has a release date now of November 9th, and you can go ahead and watch them on Netflix. Oh, you put them um, out pretty quickly, then. Yep. Yep, they're putting them out pretty quickly. Uh, you can watch the first two on Netflix. It's uh, Godzilla, A Planet of Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the second one is called, but the third one is called. Um, let me go ahead and pull it up here. The third one is called Godzilla the Planet Eater. So Wow. Yep. Godzilla the Planet Planet Eater. <clears throat> Alright, and we'll have a link to that uh, on our website. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, for the last bit of news, um this year is the twenty fifth anniversary of the anime release for Yu Yu Hakusho. Wow. Um yeah. Been that long. Doesn't that make you feel old? I do feel old. Mm-hmm. Um, but they to part of the celebration for it is that they are releasing a new OVA series. Yeah. Um and they've released stills of the characters uh, for the OVA that that's gonna be released later on this year. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a link for that for you guys to go ahead and take a look at those images as well. Um but uh, is there any other news that you wanted to cover? No, that covers it for me. All right. Well, uh, just a quick reminder. I didn't actually mention it, but the, the Rift Tracks uh, event with Fathom Events is August 23rd live 
And then August 25th will be an encore presentation where they just rebroadcast what they had done before. Mm -hmm. So go and catch it. Yeah, it's very much worth the price of admission. Okay, so uh, now that we're done with that, let's go ahead and get to the meat of the podcast. Um, Three episodes in. And what are we reviewing this week? This week we are watching or reviewing Violet Evergarden. Um, it's one of the latest shows from Kyoto Animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who's familiar with their animation style will be able to just pick it off right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but, um, it's on Netflix. So this started airing, um, earlier this year. Um, I believe it was January when it started airing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it was earlier this year when it started airing. But because Netflix got the rights to it, I couldn't watch it here legally in the States until... Netflix had it all, it had all been released, and then they went ahead and posted it um, on Netflix. Right. Because that's just what they do. Um, But anyways, uh, let's go ahead and just get into it. Um, So here's the synopsis. This is from Netflix. The war is over, and Violet Evergarden needs a job. Scarred and emotionless, she takes a job as a letter writer to understand herself and her past. And that's a very, very bare bones synopsis yeah uh, for netflix isn't known for having a robust synopsis for anything they're usually just a couple lines enough to see it get a flavor for it on the screen Mm -hmm. uh we're we're fortunate that crunchyroll and other um streaming services have extensive uh details on certain Mm -hmm. series Mm -hmm. but netflix it's their services literally here's the video you can start watching it now yeah and you know that's fine that's what netflix does um, I just, you know, anyway, I, I, I think I'd be yeah, more satisfied if Netflix got rights to more older anime. Sure. Um, as opposed to services where they, they very much try to keep up to date and like show you the sh- episodes as they're coming out. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, but like I was saying, that, that's just, I, I was just trying to say that's a very, very bare bones synopsis for what's so far proven to be a very in-depth character-driven story um and uh we both just wrote notes about some amazing stuff that we were both very very impressed with with this show we did so let's go ahead and just get into it um the show starts off with um two people in uniform mm-hmm. and we're walking the, down the street walking the down evening. the street walking down the street in the evening walking down a bu- business district in yeah. the evening um and uh, they're both in uniform um, and, um, we see, um, we see the girl who's going to be Violet. She yeah. stops and she's looking at something. And then the man who's with her realizes she's not following. He turns around and says, Violet. And she says, oh, this, I, it caught my eye. You know, it looks like your eyes. And it's this beautiful emerald brooch, like an emerald. That's what? Like larger than my thumb <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's yeah it's got to be a two inches tall by an inch wide and it's just gleaming yeah it's, it's a huge it's a gorgeous gemstone. gorgeous gemstone mm-hmm. and then the next thing we see after that is her waking up in the hospital yeah uh, with her hands bandaged and everything um and uh so uh, at the beginning we're not really told whether this is a flash forward or a flashback and we yeah. have and we're we're just piecing together things at this stage. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll, we kind of assume it's a flash forward because if they were in uniform and they're soldiers and then they have bandages, odds are. Yeah, I mean, like, 
Yeah, um, the opening shot, like, they're in uniform, and then the very next shot, she's in a hospital in mm. bandages. Uh, to me, that just, that, yeah, that but it could cemented be. that that happened, and the opening scene was in the past, and this is now the now. But it could be going either way, and it's kind of in the middle of a relationship that is going to happen, mm-hmm. or the middle of a relationship that has transpired. And mm-hmm. the question is, which is it? Mm-hmm. And so that's just another bit of a... Uh, Show don't tell intrigue mm-hmm. where they're trying yeah, to yeah. keep you involved, and um, that's something that I that I really really enjoyed about just the first three episodes that we watched so mm-hmm. far. I we talked about this last week when we were talking about um, oh, what did we watch last week? It was uh, Sound Euphonium. Yes, mm-hmm. we watched... which I finished the first season this week. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm already in season two, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, but you're watching it with your daughter, so no, they 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 sometimes appear. Oh, your daughter is sometimes there? Uh, I'd, l- I'd like her to watch it, but uh-huh. um, no, she's <laughs> she's at that age where she wants to be playing with her friends. That, that, that's part of it. The other part is that she actually has to complete and turn in a book report before she can apply for her classes this next year. Oh, you nice. And she hasn't opened the book yet. Well, then she better get to opening the book. <laughs> Anyways, um, so um, this show does an even better job of showing not telling. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, um, she's writing the letter to the major as yeah. she addresses him. And, and that's obviously the man that she was with in the, at the very beginning. And she's writing yep. him a letter, um, talking about her recovery and how she says that I'm now more fit than ever to return to service. Can you please tell me what you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, but as she's doing that, um, uh, her hand starts shaking and the pen yeah, she, yeah, flies out of her hand. Yeah, she starts talking about, um, apparently she was in recovery in the hospital for four months. They say 120 days. Mm-hmm. So, four months of recovery. Mm-hmm. And, um, when she, um, after she writes, um, the letter, we get this very artistic shot of the, um, of the, pa- of the paper getting blown away by the wind the, the letter she was writing uh-huh. getting blown by by the wind and just flying through the countryside and through a city and stuff like that kind of establishing an opening shot of the world it's a very beautiful detailed shot it really is That's, um, they're this they uh, what i understand is that the studio managed to get their hands on some cutting edge technology for creating anime so they were able to produce this stuff that looks like hand drawn that takes weeks and weeks and months and months to do much quicker and so they're able to produce like the visual style Mm -hmm. of this entire anime is a cut above what we're used to oh the the entire show is just gorgeous to look at and it's phenomenal and so my understanding is that they got new technology that allowed them to do more with the the time that they had okay well, Wait, and they're and it's an amazing studio doing it. So oh yeah, they, it's they just put out amazing work. Yeah, um, I would say yeah, they're like I would say they're like bones. Are they bones either does amazing stuff or crap? Mm. Um, and I'd say the same thing with uh with um Kyoto Animation. They either do something that's phenomenal and it pushes you know the envelope for anime, mm-hmm. or it's just garbage. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you're, no studio is going to hit a hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Unless your picks are. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Cars 2. <laughs> Cars 2 was a financial success, even if it wasn't commercially, even if it wasn't critically acclaimed. Yeah, that being said, <laughs> everything else has been critically acclaimed and a financial success. 
Also, I remember Doug, our brother, once told us that the entire reason Disney, uh, Pixar made Cars two was so that kids would have other lines to quote for their poor parent to their poor parents who are sick and tired of hearing lines from Cars one. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyways, um, so she um as. We, after we see that shot, yes. it cuts back to her in... Uh, well, it cuts to a red-headed man who's coming into the hospital. Yes. Who's revealed to be Lieutenant Colonel Colonel Hodgins. Yes. And Hodgins, um, he goes in and he's talking to this nurse. And he starts giving some backstory, some mo- inner monologue and stuff. And he says that people who saw her said that she looked just like a doll. And they weren't able to tell her from... Um, she showed. She never showed emotions. Her face was always the same. Obviously, talking about Violet. Yes. And he sees this. We see this shot where he looks over at this porcelain doll by a lamp, mm-hmm. and he has. He's a former soldier. Yeah. So, so he's he has a PTSD flashback. He's got. He has a PTSD flashback where this porcelain doll's hands are just covered in blood, and then we cut to a shot, uh, from he sees Violet from behind and. Her uniform is in tatters, and her arms are just covered in the blood of probably her and her enemies. Yes. Um, and there's just... It, it's a dark shot with bodies strewn about, and mm-hmm. she's just... Oh, she's, the, like, the lone survivor uh, mm-hmm. doing some heavy breathing mm-hmm. in that shot. But she... Uh, but anyways, uh, he then uh, gets pulled back in, and we... And she... They go up to Violet's room, and that's when they hear Violet fall from the bed uh, because she's trying to get the pen so she can go ahead and write a letter uh-huh. and give a report to the major. Yes. And Lieutenant Colonel comes in, and she doesn't recognize him at first, but eventually does, and then she stands up like a soldier and immediately gets into her soldier um, and it was during act. This, it was Not during, act, but yeah, no, mannerisms. Yeah, she, she, she behaves with proper soldier etiquette. Yep. Uh, standing up, <clears throat> saluting a superior officer, standing at attention, mm-hmm. um, uh, apologizing for her uh, um, disregard of his rank mm-hmm. beforehand, and then uh, what is? But uh, it was during that scene that I really noticed their eyes. Yeah, and I, I noticed it a bit before, but it was really during that scene that they were actually starting to get close-ups on their eyes. And just the level of detail that they put into the characters' eyes in this anime is so mind blowing. Just the the, the, the richness of the colors. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's it's amazing. It is worth watching, just for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's yeah, no, the, the details in the eyes are really, really incredible. Um, but what, the thing that really got me in this scene is um, they get Violet back on her bed, and uh, she starts asking questions about where's where's the Major? Why mm-hmm. hasn't he come to see me? Um, and every single time she brings up the Major, or she's talking about how she wants to go back to, to service, she's ready for service, um, Hodgins is about to say something and the nurse cuts him off, you know, and then uh, Violet once again iterates, well, when can I see the major? Where is he? Um, you know, you we get a close up on um, Hodgins' hand in his pocket and we see his hand kind of tighten um, behind, in, inside the pocket. You don't see the hand itself, but you see like the movement inside the pocket. Yeah, it's, it's um, a, it's a uh, extreme close up on the hand mm-hmm. in the pocket. And so it, our attention is drawn to it, but clearly she doesn't see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
because she doesn't know how to read people. (laughs) We'll we'll get more into that later. Um, But she, um, yeah, she doesn't know how to read people. And it's very, very obvious to the audience that something horrible has happened to the major. Mm -hmm. Either he's dead, but missing in action, we don't really know. We just know that, you know, something horrible has happened to the major. And they're not saying what. And they're not saying what. Probably because they might not know. And and the Mm nerd, yeah, it's possible. Um, But they're not... They uh, they seem to be very concerned about Violet's well being, and giving her and letting her know the possibility that the major didn't survive. Uh, they seem to be protecting her from a horrible truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's true or not, they haven't verified. In the first three episodes, they haven't verified the ultimate consequences of yeah, uh, what's yeah. happened. But um, but anyways, um, we see um. Yeah, she, um, a- anyways, um... Yeah, it's really the nurse who starts who starts off the lie mm-hmm. about the major. She doesn't really say anything about the major, she just changes the subject real fast. Yeah. So, which, again, makes it more awkward for Hodgins when she gets asked again. Uh-huh. Or when she asks him, uh, Violet asks Hodgins, um, about the major. Yeah. Um, but then he just says that he's left me in your... He's left you in my care, uh-huh. um, so I, w- I want you to come with me. And they go off, and uh, <clears throat> they. Um... So, so they me, go. I lost they, my, they, my frame of thought again. They go on a. They go on a trip. They're in mm-hmm. the back seat of a car. Um, early. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. say. I want to say it was a motor vehicle, mm-hmm. but I'm not 100 percent sure whether it was horse drawn or motor, motor mm-hmm. vehicle. Because they. Um, Something comes up later where they're talking about somebody who is uh, planning on mass-producing cars. So, so that's kind of the time frame. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have steamers and they have motorcycles. Mm-hmm. and But they don't really have mass-produced cars yet. Or they do and he's just going, looking into going to business for himself doing that thing. Sure. Um, anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay. So... Uh, so there's a scene that takes place inside the back of this car, and they're talking, and um, oh yeah, the doll, the doll, and so he, okay, uh, no, before that, she before they get in the car, she is given her, um, her her th- her belongings had been sent to an army base that she wasn't at, and then they eventually got sent back to her, and that's why it took a hun- that's why it took four months to get her stuff mm-hmm. back to her just in time for her to leave and she goes through her suitcase and says where is it where's the brooch Mm -hmm. referring to the brooch we saw at the beginning of the show yes and um is so clearly you know laying to rest that yes that is a flashback that chronologically that Mm -hmm. is when that happened um and so um she and she's very insistent on leaving Mm -hmm. to go and find this brooch when the, the major stops her and says, if it's that important to you, I will track it down. Not mm-hmm. the major, the, uh, the Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel Hodgins. Lieutenant Hodgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hodgins has a, um, uh, and then, then they get in the backseat of the car. Mm-hmm. And then he gives, and then he says, I didn't know which one to get for you. And so he holds up these three plushies and says, I didn't know which one to get for you. So I And got she three. just he says, I don't need any of them. Yeah. It's like, you know what? End of the world. Everybody's gonna die if you don't pick something. One, two. I'll take the dog. Mm-hmm. 
And so she just pick she just takes picks the dog. Like, well, and why then, she, did, why and then she's the and then she's examining the dog back and forth, not really knowing what to do with it, um, and brushing it against her face, yeah, feeling mm. the texture of the uh, the of, fur. Of, of, of the fur, and then yeah, he says, "Why did you pick the dog?" And she says, "Well, it's because the major's brother once said that I was the major's dog." This is going to be a long car trip. And he was just like, "Oh boy," <laughs> so, but eventually they meet. They get to the Evergarden residence. Um, which is they s- along the way they they demonstrate how war torn their country is. Uh, they could have taken the train. Oh yeah, if mm-hmm. the, if a bridge hadn't been bombed. Yeah, and so they they're, you're seeing an iron bridge that was bombed, and so this mm-hmm. is going to take extensive repairs to uh, repair the train track mm-hmm. through there. Um, so uh, so that that's just you know more. A lot more showing about how how the country has been victim of mm-hmm. uh, of terrible war. Yeah. Um. And, and he talks about how they could have made it in a day if the trains were still running, but now it's going to be three days to make it to where they're going. Yep. And so they get to where they need to get, and the, where they get to the Evergarden residence. Yes. Um, which is, according to the lieutenant colonel, the major's um, closest living relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why they're entrusting uh, Violet to them. And they lost a son in the war. Yes. Um, and um, as they're meeting with uh, Violet, um, they're drinking some tea. And um, Violet tries to hold up the tea. Um, and, her and, just, and, and her hand is just shaking. And then and they have these transparent glass teacups. Mm-hmm, these really beautiful looking transparent teacups. And the, I, I want to say... Um, was it a diffuser? Or there, there was a rose-shaped... It was a rotation device. It, it was a flower. It was an actual flower in there. It was an actual flower in there. The reason I knew it was an actual flower is because I watched it the second time, and uh, we'll get to it. But mm-hmm. um, she's holding up the cup and she's shaking the cup really badly. And uh-huh. then uh, Miss uh, Evergarden, the, the elderly woman yeah, who's Lady the head of the household, yeah. uh, she says, "Oh, don't don't push yourself if you can't do that." Thinking you know that she's shell shocked or something, and she's uh-huh. not able to do, and she's just got shaky hands. Well. She drops the glass yes. and spills the tea all over her hand, and the servants immediately go up and you know try to clean it off. She's like, "No, it's fine. I don't feel heat." And she says, "No, no, 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 no." But still, it's gonna it's gonna do damage to you. And then, as that's happening, Violet takes off the bandage for the first time, and we see, yeah. and she says, "It's all right. It's made of adamant adamantine silver," and she sews her new hand, and yes, it's a robotic she's... hand. Yeah. Um, and it's the first time we've seen her new hands. I mean, anybody who's seen the trailers and stuff know that she's got those robotic hands, but it's the first time we've seen them in show. Right. Um, but she, um, oh, what's the, uh, but, but anyways, um, the reason I know that it's a flower is because it cuts down and it shows the tea and the glass spilled and then we see uh-huh. the flower out there and there's some petals that have been knocked off of it. So it's okay. an actual flower. Okay. I was just, ex- I was surprised to hear that a flower was in hot tea. Personally. Have you never had rose tea? I've not. Um, there was this place I forget I forget where it was. Uh, well, I forget what it was called, but it was a Mongolian restaurant down in Provo, mm-hmm. and they made rose tea, and it was pretty much just hot water with rosebuds in it. Oh, okay. And you would just pour it into a glass, and it was it's delicious. Okay. Really, really good. No, when when I had rose tea described to me, I didn't realize it was hot. I thought it was something cold like lemonade that just it just infused through cold water transfer. No, no, no. So, well, hot, so maybe. So, but being tea, it makes more sense that it's hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, okay. like, I, yeah, I've had rose, rose tea a couple of times, and it's really, really good. Okay. So, um, but yeah, um, 
So yeah, um, so after she's revealed her hands, Lady Evergarden gives her a pair of leather gloves that she had when she was a child. Mm -hmm. um, and she takes the gloves, and um, I forget what leads to the conversation, but, but she puts the gloves on, and they show her to her room and stuff, and Violet just very, very... Dispassionately? Just, dispassionately, I was going to say calculatingly. Uh-huh. Um, just because she's not a rude person. She's not, she's she, just calculating. She, she's, she's very logical. She, she's a soldier. Is, she was never trained in the etiquette of civilian civility. Mm -hmm. And so she'll say or do things that are direct and to the point and not necessarily the nicest mm -hmm. way of expressing it. Oh, and she just flat out says, I, I'm not going to replace your son. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I'm, it's not possible for me to take your to replace your son. Mm -hmm. So thinking that that must be why they've taken her in because they're hoping to replace their son. Right. Um, as Lieutenant Colonel is about to leave, though, she goes out. Uh, Violet goes out to meet him, and she instantly says, and she she starts asking for the Colonel again, and she starts asking why is the Colonel abandoned me? Yeah. Um, like I need my orders. I need to know what to do. And then Lieutenant Colonel says, or why does the Major abandon me? Yeah. And then um, Hodgin, H Hodgins says, um, the war's over. That's why you haven't gotten any more orders. And she's like, oh, so I've been cast aside. Well, if that's the case, please don't leave me here. Please just throw me away. Throw me away somewhere. Uh, just throw me away. Yeah. Um, because I have no more use. I'm the Major's tool. And if there's nothing for me to do for the Major, then I have no use. Just throw me away. That's how she sees herself. Mm -hmm. And he goes over and he grabs her and takes her to um, his company. She keeps calling him sir and lieutenant colonel and stuff like that. And he says, stop. Don't, don't call me that. She says, what, what should I call you? And he says, oh, you can call me president. Because um, he's the president of his company. Because he's the president of his company. And his company turns out, in this day and age, not everybody can write. So um, it's become... And the typewriter is a fairly new invention. Mm -hmm. So it's become very popular and a very lucrative business opportunity to hire women to write letters for people. So yep. people go and they dictate these letters. And, and, and so he has his staff is divided up into two categories. He's mm -hmm. got the letter writers, and then he's also a delivery service for mm -hmm. those letters. Yep. Um, so, and then like the first floor is like reception and stuff like that, where people go and they pay for packages and things to be delivered. And then second floor, you know, they... Well, anyways, they kind of show the businesses were going through the building. Um, but... Um, she gets brought up to help in the mailroom. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, you have a purpose. Like, don't ever say that again. You have a purpose. So here, just go ahead and work for me now. Yeah. Um, and so he puts him in the mailroom and she meets... Um, Benedict. Benedict. Ben Benedict Blue. Benedict. Benedict Blue, who is quite the character and is obviously a friend uh, from Hodgins' past. Um, and he's an honest young man. Yes. He... As opposed to Violet, who has the excuse that she just never learned, yeah. Benedict's just a punk. <laughs> <laughs> so, Benedict is just a punk. Um, but uh, he says this, she's going to be uh, our um, 
Hudgens says um, Violet is going to be helping you here in the mailroom, so, you know, show her the ropes. Yes. And so we have a pretty cute little scene where he gives her a uniform and she starts changing into it right in front of him because she's in the military. She doesn't think about things like that. Right. And he gets embarrassed and tells her to stop. And then we see that she's in the uniform and it's too big for her. And um, this is something that has kind of just struck me odd, but they keep talking about her as being a child. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess physically speaking, she is shorter than everybody around her and nowhere near as developed as some of the women are. Right. Um, but, um, her face, you know, and I, this could just be, uh, the character design or, and it could very well be intention, the intent that they gave her a very adult looking face because of what she's lived through and what right. she's been through. Right. Um, so I keep needing to remind myself that she's younger than everybody else. Mm. They keep talking about her as being a child and how she hasn't grown up yet. Uh, and I actually looked it up online. I wasn't able to find an, a proper age for her. Right. They just keep calling her young. Um, but anyways, um, he then shows her the ropes and says, this is how you organize things. Um, the break room's over there. Make sure you take your break at the proper time. Um, let me know if you need anything. I'm going to go ahead and get to work. And the, so she says, okay. And he leaves and he comes and then we see a montage or not a montage, but just a shot of the sun crossing the sky, mm-hmm. getting into the sunset. And um, he comes back in after having made deliveries for the day. And she's in there completely done having organized these piles of letters and put them in the proper boxes and stuff. And he's like, did you take a break? And he's like, no, I didn't need one. What, yeah, should I, yeah. what should I do now? And he's like, well, maybe we should start you on deliveries. You know, just kind of a, a casual thought. Maybe we should right. start you on deliveries. And uh, that <laughs> night, Hodgins is coming back from a meeting that he had with like yeah, a, it, with and, a and, guild meeting. And he was in a horse-drawn carriage. I remember the clip-clop of mm-hmm. the horse pulling him. And he's just like, uh, what's going on? He's just like, like oh, so now there's businesses out there well, that do he, he's midnight just, deliveries? He's, he's like, oh, oh, I guess there's some businesses out there that do night deliveries too. It's a... Oh, I couldn't afford doing that though. And then he he's like, I wonder what business that is. And he as the cart turns, he sees his company's logo on the side of the cart, and he runs up and he's he asks her what she's doing. She's like, Oh, I was told to do deliveries. And then we cut to dinner at I believe it's Hodges Hodgins' uh-huh. place with um with Benedict and Violet, and he just says, and they're tweeting each other out. Obviously, old friends and stuff like that, bantering back and forth. And but Hodgins is not Hodgins. Um, Benedict is just like I intended her for her to do it tomorrow morning. I didn't think she was going to keep going, yeah. and that kind of gave me a thought. You know, if she's recovering, if she's recovering, like she's been in bed rest for t- for four months. Um, and she says she's not at full strength yet, and she's still not at full strength. Yeah, so she. What is her full strength at? You know, <laughs> she works all day on her feet mm-hmm. um, without a break, eating very little. As we discover, she doesn't eat very much. Yeah. Um, and then she goes out and she's pushing this cart that's five times her size through the streets. Yeah, it's a making hand, deliveries. It, it's a hand cart. It's she's a hand pushing. cart full of papers. Yeah, paper. Some of the heaviest stuff once you pile it up. Yeah, yeah, and she's doing it like it's nothing. And yeah, so what's her full strength like? You know? No kidding. No kidding. Um, anyways, yeah, so that's that's something that crossed my mind when that scene came. Um, but the next day she's at work and she's cleaning the windows. Um, and, and she overhears 
Uh, uh what's her name? Uh, Catlia. Catlia, yeah. Yeah, Catlia. Um, well, what happens is somebody comes in and says, "I'd like to write a letter," and she's like, "Okay." You know, or like, yeah, they, they you, ask her. Hear? No, no, he, he, the guy asks and says, "Well, I'm here. I'd, I'd like to write a letter." There's a, there's a girl in my hometown that somebody else has proposed to, and yeah. like he takes his hat off and like he crunches his hat in his yeah. chest. Yeah, it, it, and it sounds like he's asking her specifically. Mm-hmm. Not realize like it wasn't when that scene happened. I wasn't clear that that is a service that their company provides. Yeah, they hadn't shown that yet. That so. they uh, that they write letters. Um, so they have him go upstairs, and she witnesses him talking about what he wants to kind of say in this letter. Mm-hmm. And Catlia, who's this uh, exotic-looking, beautiful woman, yes, um, who we learn is their top employee and their number one requested employee for writing letters, and we right. learn why, especially in this scene. She, um, they are automated, or they are auto. Yeah, she she kind of has the aesthetic mm-hmm. of um, I want to say Anara from Firefly. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. she's got the long, black, flowy hair and wears red and a low cut. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, I say exotic because she's got dark skin, purple eyes. You know, it's got that very exotic anime look. Mm -hmm. And it looks like, I want to say that her attire seems to have uh, coins taped into, uh, or sewn into Mm -hmm. it. Like you would expect Mm -hmm. from a um, uh, a stereotypical um, Middle Eastern uh, mm-hmm. Period piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's clearly not from the area compared to what everyone yeah. else is wearing. Um, but um, she is what is called an auto memory doll, uh, and uh, the reason and that is a that is somebody who writes letters, but it's not somebody who takes dictation to write a letter. Right. It's somebody who listens to the person who's talking. And conveys their their the emotions of the things they really want to say mm-hmm. into a letter, and this guy's talking about how you know that she like she was the first person who was kind to her, and the, the, the like his friend is the first person who was kind to him, and um, how he's got all these feelings bottled up and stuff like that, and he wants to express and it. While he's and saying as all he's that. saying that, it transfers to Catalina's voice, and she's describing what's happened. She's she's saying this is what he's feeling. And then we cut to Violet. And, so, so it's Catalina's mm-hmm. voiceover and Violet's mm-hmm. memories. Mm-hmm. And Violet's memories, where we see her on the battlefield with the Major, where she's rushed, she, you know, he's protecting her in combat, or she'll rush ahead to save him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see just how brutally efficient of a warrior she is on the battlefield. And um, it's very, very reminiscent of World War One, where it's just men fighting over these uh, it, yeah, strips was, of dead land. It was uh, barren trench warfare. Mm-hmm. It was just definitely World War brutal, One. Brutal, brutal, horrible stuff. Um, but um, we see how you know just how strong she really is in that in those scenes. Um, and then we see her say, and then um, you know. Um, I forget exactly what the line is, but at the end of it, we see the line, I've always, you know, I love you, is mm-hmm. what she says. Or is what Catalina interprets the guy as saying. Yes. Um, and that clicks something in Violet. It's the first time we really see any sort of actual, like, emotion from her. And then she... We come to find out later that it triggers a memory in her. Uh-huh. Like that, th- those mm-hmm. words. I know those words. Yeah. And she goes, as soon as that 
memory as soon as that flashback scene ends she's in uh Hodgins office uh talking to him about um you know about wanting to be an auto memory doll mm-hmm. and he's like well, why do you want to do that and then she flat out says i want you know i want to understand what the words i love you mean and it's revealed that um there and we see the reason we, we don't see what happened but we see the aftermath of what happened mm-hmm. and we see violet standing in this dark alleyway it's probably a sewer or something because it's covered well um, it's covered but it's also a stairwell yeah, it's a stairwell. Yeah, leading down. Some, something like that. Uh, and the first thing we see is her arm drop to the ground. Yeah. And she's just covered in blood. Um, and she's armless. Mm-hmm. And she goes down and she just, in tears in her eyes, says, I'm not letting you die here. And she leans down and she bites into the Major's shirt to try to pick him up. Yes. And he's not as... He's not missing any limbs, but he's not in good shape either. No, he's covered in blood, and mm-hmm. things are not good for him. Mm-hmm. And at that mo- particular moment in time, the the way she said, the way she said, I want to know what I love you means. Mm-hmm. My mind went immediately back to that one scene from Sword Art Online Abridged. When, uh, in episode 10... When Yue is uh, talking to Asuka. Yui. Yui. Mm-hmm. Yui is talking to Asuka and uh, Kirito about why she injected herself in her, into their lives and how she wanted to know what love is. I wanted yeah. you to show me. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not watching this show with you because I may have punched you if you had stopped and, let me, <laughs> and talked about that during that scene. Um, yeah, anyways... <laughs> Because this scene made me cry, like it, it 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 stirred up emotions inside of me and stuff. And I would have been very very disgruntled with you had you decided to bring up that thought in front of me while that scene was happening. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, he says to her, "Go, I want you to live and be free." Mm-hmm. And his the the last words we see him say to her are, "I've always loved. No, I love you." Yeah. He says that to her, and that's the end of the episode. And, or, and uh, well, the end of the episode is uh, she reveals that that's her reason for wanting to be an, uh, an auto memory doll, mm-hmm. and he's and he's and it cuts to Hodgins saying, oh, "So wait, you want to be an auto memory doll so you can learn what that means? Usually, women who know what that means are auto memory dolls." Yeah. But okay, and he he lets her do it, and that's the end of the first episode. That is the end of the first episode. Mm. Then uh, the next episode starts. Um, the next episode starts with her um, wanting to learn and mm-hmm. getting to know the girls who are involved there. And we meet the three girls. We meet Iris, Iris. who is a little hothead. Uh, we meet uh, Erica, who's kind of this mousy, n- nerdy girl. Very, yep. very quiet. Keeps to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we learn more of a Catalina. Yes. Or Catalea. Catalea. We learn more about Catalea. And Catalea is a very, very friendly, kind woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty quickly revealed that she's their best auto-memory doll. Mm-hmm. Because she reads people so well and then can also write passionate mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other two are still quite novices. They're still pretty new. And yeah. they even reveal that, um, that uh, Iris 
just kind of, you know, just graduated, just from, graduated from a class. She just barely passed her apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So she's still pretty new. So uh, the girls, a lot of them spend their time typing out, you know, uh, documentation or addresses or things like that for, for envelopes. Mm -hmm. um, where Catalina, like, they get a lot of requests for Catalina to write letters. Right. Um, but, so, but they need to learn how to you know spread the workload because it can't all be on catalina because anytime that she's gone and they end up doing bad work yeah uh which yep. uh, which comes up but yep. uh the next scene that i absolutely adored mm -hmm. um was watching violet learn how to type yeah they bring out a typewriter and they start you know they give her some exercises and say okay um, go ahead and just put your fingers where you would on a keyboard. They say the L and the F button, which is, you know, I looked down at my keyboard when they said, I was like, yep, no, that's where your fingers go. Uh, J and F, uh, yes. Yep. But, um, you put your fingers there and then she started typing and word and, you know, letters started appearing and stuff on the paper. And it's at that moment that she, for the first time, takes her gloves off in front of the girls and they see mm -hmm. that she has this auto mail hand. And it's very, very interesting that she bites the gloves off yes up until a certain point we never see her take the gloves off with her own hands it's always bites and that's something I'll, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to that scene when that happens mm -hmm. but there's a i think there's a very solid reason for why but again um she bites the gloves off as opposed to using them and it's very clear that she does that she even, she even uh, bit to put them on yeah to put them on in the first place she used her mouth to put them on yes mm-hmm which uh, makes me think that maybe she, the 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 uh, the the auto mail the uh, these uh, uh, cyber auto mail <laughs> yeah <laughs> auto mail yeah. The, the, these robot arms don't uh, have the tensile grip that because uh, like, she did drop the pen I'm just wondering if these robot arms just don't have the tensile grip for uh, I think there's I think there's a more symbolic reason behind it and I will get to that when we get to the scene where she where she doesn't use her mouth to take off the gloves. Okay. Um, but, um, but, that, but that was what I assumed up to this point. Okay. Um, but it was actually very interesting at watching her learn how to type because what they show her doing is she starts learning how to do the, the typing and realizes that her fingers are not in the right place for what she needs to do. Mm -hmm. So she unbuttons her cuffs, rolls her sleeves up to her elbows, pops open a hatch on her elbow and starts making adjustments from there, that changes how the resting position of her fingers. And so we're watching her calibrate her arms mm -hmm. for typing. Yeah, which was really, really cool. And then she proceeds to start typing at two, three hundred words a minute. And the and these girls are like worrying about their jobs all of a sudden when mm -hmm. they turn to him and say, Can you type quietly? Catalina, Catalina <laughs> says, let's go ahead and have you type more quietly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because she was making quite a racket, but producing accurate documentation. Yep, just super, super fast typing. And anybody who's used a typewriter knows that those things are not even really designed to be super fast. No, <laughs> no. Um, and uh, yeah, early typewriters uh, had what was called a Dvorak uh, keyboard uh, key layout, but they there were constant jams because a lot of the a lot of the common letters were all categorized together. And so the, the QWERTY keyboard style nowadays wasn't to make people type slower, but was to separate the common letters out so that typewriters were less likely to jam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's just 
the traditional keyboard that now every keyboard you buy has that layout. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious. Uh, no, and because she said F and J, then we know that that at least the the subtitle translation for this uh, show seems to think that it is a QWERTY keyboard layout. It's a QWERTY keyboard layout, yeah. Um, she actually, I'm pretty sure she said actually F and J in Japanese. Mm. Um, I'll have to re-listen to the scene again. Um, but, yeah, and then, like, even if you, like, you, you can very clearly see, like, when you when we finally get the first time we see the opening credits in episode three, yes. we see the word, the name Violet Evergarden, and then we see it in English. We see it in their written language yeah, and so, then in English. So they have some kind of written script, and I had this written down. That I was really fascinated by it because some of the characters look Japanese, and some of the characters look English, and, so, and many of the characters look like some hybrid mm-hmm. in between. And so it's just a very interesting... Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost as if they borrowed a letter that looked mm-hmm. like a letter from a lot of European or Eastern... Uh, Eastern... Uh, mm-hmm. Asian. Uh, or even all over Asia, uh, Russian. I think one of the, some mm-hmm. letters look a little Russian to me. Yeah, but it just all of it just seemed close enough that mm-hmm. it looked looks English. Well, yeah, it, it English. looks it looks like a written language yeah. as opposed to just scribbles on a page. Yes. Um, but anyways, which makes sense for them to do if they're doing uh, they're doing so much work with typewriter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we then see kind of throughout the day, um, people coming and going and asking for letters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's, um, and Violet is Violet. <laughs> Where, uh, one customer, um, comes in and, uh, Violet says, oh, that's not, that's not spelled properly. You know? You made a mistake. Or you made a mistake there. And she's like, ah! And she says that to the hothead. She says that to Iris. Uh-huh. And at the same time, this guy's like, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try to pay back as much of this debt as I can bit by bit. I'm paying a bit each month. And then Violet just says to him, you're only paying that much each month. That's going to take you 120 years to pay off your debt. Are you going to be all right to pay that off? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then we get to another scene where there's this woman who from what it sounds like has been abusing this child of relative or something and she's like broken up about it um as um i think it's uh, i think this is actually erica who's writing the letter out this time i could mm-hmm. be wrong um but and then violet just says to her could you please stop crying it makes it harder for us to do our jobs you know <laughs> And then we see what you wrote down as one of your favorite bits. Uh, oh, this guy refuses to pay. Yes. So they, they write the letter, and then he reads back the letter, and he's deeply... He's deeply offended. offended that uh, How dare you write this as though it were my fault? I'm not paying for this. And then Violet gets up and politely reminds and him that... And says it's illegal it's to Ill- not pay for this job. It's, mm-hmm. it's illegal to, have, to contract our services and not pay for it. Um, and then literally, well, well, she, put, she, and she, she's saying it in the, in the calmest, mm-hmm. most rationally discussion type voice while getting up behind him, twisting his arm behind his back and slamming him down on the table. Mm-hmm. Well, Next thing we see is, uh, is, uh, the boss thing. Mm-hmm. So we've been getting a few complaints lately. Well, but before that, <laughs> like before she, thro- before she pushes him on the table, you know, before she strong arms him into pain as it were, 
Um, she even just says, could you please tell us what was wrong about the letter and we'll fix it. Yeah. You know, and she's trying to be, you know, trying to say, she, like, she's saying all the right customer service lines. She is. But this guy is just, you know, getting very, very upset and more and more upset. And he's threatening to leave. And finally she just pins him on the table and, you know, pretty much says, let us help you fix it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the very next, the very next scene is just like, it's just a cut to, uh, Excuse me, it's just a cut to um, Hodgins. And he's just like, so we've been getting lots of customer complaints recently. Um, <laughs> the, 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 non- the, the, the way he delicately he, mm-hmm. he delicately presents this information. Mm-hmm. But then we get, um, we get a scene that really, really, you know... That really demonstrates Violet's incapacity. Yeah, how, how bad she is at this. Uh, we get this woman who comes in. She's a very attractive woman. She's hoping for Ka- for Catalan uh-huh. or um, Catalea. 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 However it's pronounced. I'll just say Catalea from now on because that's how I have it written down. Mm-hmm. Um, but Catalea, she, um, you know, she wants to use Catalea, but Catalea is on a business trip. And so she, and so the only person who's available is Erica, the little mousy girl. Mm-hmm. And, um... By the way, I had, they don't mention it in the episode in any of the episodes. But I looked up in their wiki to get their uh, their information. Mm-hmm. Catalea's last name is Baudelaire. Yeah, as in the Baudelaires from a, a series of unfortunate mm-hmm. events. Yeah, they they have not. Yeah, they never said her name was Baudelaire, but this is based off of the light novel series. Uh-huh. So um, I'm wouldn't be surprised if they got her name from the light novels. Okay, but yeah, but I, when I saw that, I was like, oh dear. <laughs> Fortunately, she's not one of those Baudelaire orphans. Um, but anyways, she... Um... She's a distant ancestor. <laughs> anyways, um, this this well-off woman comes in and um, she's talking about how, oh, I want you guys to write me a letter. There's this, uh, there's this man. He's asked me out. He's starting his own automobile business. Honestly, I think I could do better. I'm not really into that kind of grunge stuff. Um, and, but while she's saying that she's twirling her hair, she's like showing, like, she's showing all these signs that she's actually, you know, into the guy. Um, but, uh, but what she says doesn't match what she shows. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and, uh, Violet says, well, let me write the letter. And so they say, well, what happens is, uh um, uh, uh, Erica is the uh-huh. one taking all the is the one receiving this uh, information. When Violet steps out from behind a uh, a partition mm-hmm. and, and uh, shows herself, and then the customer asks, "Are you going to be the one writing the letter?" In a way, uh, like inqui- she she meant it inquisitively, mm-hmm. but um, Violet takes it as an order. And salutes and says, yes, ma'am. Yes, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And she writes this letter. And the very next scene we see, this woman is back in the office in tears, furious. And she hands him the letter. And Violet wrote this letter that's incredibly rude. It's, um, you know, it's it's pretty much saying you're below me. Um, send more gifts and money. Yeah, send more gifts and money, you know, pretty much. Um, which is what the woman was saying, you know. But and the woman is in tears, saying, "I wanted to enjoy the chase. I wanted to date this man. I wanted to marry him eventually, you know." But a woman's supposed to let a man chase her, 
Um, and Violet had no idea about that stuff. No. And so Catalina apologizes for it, um, goes and tries to fix things. And then we see, um, after that scene, we see um, Violet walking through the street. And In she's, the rain. Uh, no, it's not the rain just yet. Not the rain just yet? Okay. No. Um, we see, a, or this happened at some point in this episode, mm-hmm. um, because this is obvious, also the episode where I saw the high heels. Um, but she, um, yeah, the rain <laughs> happens me. closer to the end. Yeah. She is walking through the streets and she sees, um, who she thinks is the major mm-hmm. from behind. It's the same build, same blue hair. Um, and she runs after him. And this is the first time we've seen her out of breath in this entire show. Right. It's the first time we've seen her out of breath is chasing after this guy. Um, and it turns around and it's not the major. It's an older, much, much older man. Um, basically all she had to go on was that he was wearing a uniform and he had a military style, well, a bit disheveled, um, black haircut. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, and so it looked like him from behind, but then he turned mm-hmm. around and he's clearly way too old to be the man she thought he was. Mm-hmm. But she, um, now was it in the very first scene? I think it was the very first scene mm-hmm. where she's talking about, well, she's talking about the, um, she looked at the, uh, the gemstone, the brooch. And she said something to the effect of, what is this feeling that I get when I look it's at it? It's the very first scene. That was the very it's first the scene. the very first scene. She says, I don't know, what, but there's something going on here when I look at it, you know? Yeah. And she says, tells the major that it reminds, that it's the color of his eyes. Yes. The very, one of the first things she says about it so, is the color of the major's eyes. So I just, I, I remember it, they, they go back to that scene a couple times. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. so. And every once in a while, and she'll go and tr- gr- gra- put her hand over where the brooch should be. Yes. Mm-hmm. She, she keeps the brooch just at the base of her neck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, before all that happens, though, we see some flirting happening between, um, mostly coming from Catalia uh, to Lieutenant Colonel. Oh, yes. Yeah. She steps, like, she and the Major, and the not the Major General, she and Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel. Colonel are in the hall talking, and then suddenly, um, Benedict walks out. She eyes Benedict and instantly embraces um, the Lieutenant Colonel, yes. Hodgins, and starts talking to him about stuff that's obviously very, very embarrassing yes. uh, to Hodgins. Um, this, uh, ba- Hodgins' first name comes up in this scene. Uh-huh. Where she reveals what his first name is. Mm-hmm. Which is... Claudia. Claudia Hodgins. His which is name why it's is C- Claudia. H- which is why it's C-H for the name of his, uh, the sigil for his uh, company, C-H. Yes. Yep. Do you know how embarrassing it is to hear you, cr- to have to cry out a girl's name with uh, when I'm with you? It's <laughs> <laughs> something that... Uh, yep. So it's showing that those two are, are an item. Um, they were at least, they were, they, they're probably still, uh, well, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's coming, well, she on, says, she's coming on to him very strong, and, and he tells her, 
I can't take you out. I might not even get paid this month. And Han, yeah, and um, and uh, Benedict, Benedict overhears that. that. But you, but Benedict also gets flustered about this relationship between those two, and he storms off. Yes. But so that was earlier in the episode. And we forgot to cover that, and that covers what's happening in this next scene. Yes. The next scene, um, ha, um, Benedict actually comes up on his motorcycle. And I didn't catch this the first time, but the second time I watched, because I watched these episodes once a couple days ago, and then I rewatched them to try mm-hmm. to get more detail and more stuff, just because there's so much stuff going on. It's very dense. Um, it's very show-don't-tell, so it's he, a lot of dense yeah, information mm-hmm. being filled in everywhere. And he's wearing high heels on his motorcycle. Yes. And I, you know, being kind of a history nerd... I loved that. I loved that so much because high heels were made for men back in the day to help them stay in their stirrups, to help them help their feet stay, you know, yeah, in the stirrups, in the stirrups while, uh, while horseback riding. Well, and, mm-hmm. and early motorcycles were built with that fashion in mind. And so your mm-hmm. footrest was a bar your, like a stirrup. Mm-hmm. So he had heels on for riding his motorcycle, which is what you would have. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I was like, wow, that's really, really cool that they have him in heels. Um, but anyways, um, mm-hmm. he's talking to her, um, asking what's going on. And she just said, you know, she screwed up. And he says, uh, well, um, you might want to find a new... J- oh, how about you come back to the mailroom? And she's like, no, I want to I no, I want to stay where I'm at. He says, well, I'm probably going to be looking for a new job myself. Um, because apparently the company's not doing so well. Hodgins isn't going to get paid this month. And so then he just drives off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when the rain starts. Yes. That's when the rain starts. Um, and she's on her way back. And we see Erica looking at her through the, uh, through the window. Through the window. Mm-hmm. And that's when she comes out. And they start talking in the rain. Mm-hmm. And she says, am I not suited for this work? No, yep. you are not suited for this work. Well, Violet says, am I not suited for this work? And then... Erica, who's kind of surprised by the question because, you know, people just aren't blunt like that. Erica starts saying something else and about, talking about, I, about I, herself. I, I thought, I remember thinking about that about myself. Uh-huh. I'm not talking about you. Yeah, Violet just says, I didn't ask about you. Again, not rude in her eyes. No. Rude to everybody else, but that's just that's just her personality. Yeah. She says what's on her mind. And, like, I didn't ask about you. You know, she's she's from the military. She's very, very clear and clean cut, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, as clean cut as military gets. Um, but she... She's as direct and to the point and no, no, uh, no yeah. him hawing around the topic. And no then it cuts, the bush. And then it, Erica just says, yeah, you're not cut out for this job. Um, well, and why are you even doing it? Yeah, why are you doing it? Why do you want to do this job if you're not cut out for it? And she said, And then she says... What she said to the lieutenant colonel earlier, which was, I want to know what the words I love you means. Mm-hmm. And it's at that moment that they have this amazing visual mm-hmm. cue where the rain stops and the cloud sweeps by overhead and a slow panning of light covers both of their faces. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's literally a visualization of dawning realization. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I thought, you know what? Little things like that. They're just mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. No, it is great. And then um, after they have that conversation, they go back inside and um, we overhear um, Iris uh, talking to um, Hodgins, mm. saying that she is terrible at this. She should not be, you know, she she's not cut out for this work. She shouldn't be um, 
a doll. She, you know, she's driving away customers. Um, we're just starting to take off with this business. And if word gets around that, you know, we've got this horrible person with us, you know, it's going to drive business away. Yeah. Um, and um, Hodgins is saying stuff like, well, I'm not going to fire her. You know, like, no, she's she's here to stay. He's about to he's, say that when Erica well, bursts in. Yeah, he's about to say something and Erica bursts in and says, please don't fire her. You know, let her remain as a doll. Um, and that's when he says, I, you know, like, I'm not going to fire her. You know, yeah. she's going to stay. We're going to figure something out. But Violet, mm -hmm. Violet, who two minutes before was told by Erica, you are not suited for this work, mm -hmm. says, uh, interrupts Erica and says, you said I wasn't suited for this work. You're being contradictory. This, this is a contradiction. Yeah. And Erica just looks up at her with a little bit of an eye twitch, like, uh -huh. why are you saying this now? I just changed my mind about you. Can't you read the situation? No, she can't. She's That's not what she does. Uh, she, but, and this is when we get, um, we see why Eric is not going to be paid this month. Yes. Um, and that's because Eric, not Eric. Um, Claudia. Cla Claudia. Um, <laughs> the Hodgins, Lieutenant Colonel Hodgins. Hodgins tracked President down. President Hodgins. Hodgins tracked down the brooch. Yes, he did. And he spent his month's wages to buy it back because apparently some, you know, some soldier found it in her belongings and sold it. Stole it, sold stole it, it, and, sold and it. Uh, mm -hmm. it was up. It was somewhere on the black market, and he mm -hmm. found it and and collected it for her. Which gives us a little bit of more information about Hodgins that he has black market connections. He does have black market connections. <laughs> so just that, but. And but she gets it back, and she's, and she's ex as excited as Violet can be, mm -hmm. which isn't very much, um, but she's very but, happy to have it back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, we get a bit more story for uh -huh. Erica. As she's walking home that night, she's saying to herself, well, I, I stuck up for her because she reminded me of why I wanted to become a doll. Yes. Um, and she reveals some backstory where the reason they're called automated um, auto auto memory dolls is mm -hmm. because a famous uh, inventor, the man who pretty much invented the printing press in this world, mm -hmm. um, his wife was a novelist who was going blind. Mm -hmm. And he wanted his beloved wife to be able to continue telling stories. So he made this machine, which ended up being the prototype for typewriters. Mm. Um where his wife would still be able to write stories with it without being able to see. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that first device was called auto memory doll. And so from that point on the, uh, women who would write letters for others who were not able to write for themselves are called auto memory dolls. Mm. Um, and she wants to convey the love of others through her work the same way that she felt the love that um, the wife had for her husband through her novels. Yes. Um, and that's kind of where that episode, well, the episode kind of ends with a shot of Violet in bed, like, you know, examining the brooch. Yeah, and so that gives us the first taste, and episode three continues it on, where we kind of get to see inside the minds of other people mm -hmm. that Violet has influenced. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we kind of we kind of get to know Violet a bit more through the people 
who made her. Mm-hmm. And in episode three, uh, as we're already on the subject, she um, they send her to a school that trains women to be auto memory dolls. Yes. Um, and you can be an auto memory doll without going to this school. They say that numerous times, but this school is pre- is you the, know the school it's is renowned. prestigious. It's prestigious. So it's if renowned. You, if you have a degree from this school, you are be- you are better than most dolls. Mm-hmm. And they show it by a. It's a pin that you get. And it's a really cool looking pin because what it is is it's this semicircle C, uh, the bottom of which has this um, uh, has a couple of wings on it, but the top of it is two typewriter keys. Mm-hmm. And so, just a very interesting little symbol. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so she yeah, yeah. she joins this school with these other girls. And she sits next to a girl who's late on her first day um, by the name of um, Luculia. Yeah, Luculia. Luculia. Mm-hmm. Luculia. Um, and she's this, you know, um, redheaded girl, um, pretty, dainty, um, freckled. freckled. Um, she's very, very nice. I don't know if I can ever say that I've seen freckles that detailed on an anime character before. well if they're if this technology becomes prevalent we might see a lot more of it yes um and kyoto animation did some amazing stuff with it so hopefully we'll see more stuff done with it right um but anyways um um did we skip over anything i don't think that we did no we're no we didn't okay Okay. we made it through episode two Mm -hmm. we're now in episode three yep so, just a little bit more. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about Benedict and um, Catalia. Because so, so, there's a scene where the two of them cross each, other, each other's paths in front of other people. Uh-huh. That seems to be a key point, actually. Yeah, well... That and the, when they are in front of other people, they are fighting like cats and dogs. Yeah, it's really, really funny because we see them angry at each other and then, hmm, go like... Like, you know, going humph and then like walking off. And as they're walking off, we see uh, the people behind them who are actually, you know, there for the scene. Uh, yeah. the, fo- the real focus of the scene. So every time they're around other people, they just, you know, they hate each other. Right. But when, is it Violet that comes back um, that night? Okay, so there's a scene. So it, the first time we see what's going on between them is they... they they blame each other for something that happened, mm-hmm. and they storm off and are mad at each other. And the and then some of the employees say, "I wonder how the captain how the captain managed to put together a company with the two of them in it together." Mm-hmm. Um, or how the president. But but yeah, there's a there's there's a scene halfway through the episode where there they where seem Violet to be, walks in on um, the two of them. The, Having tea. Yeah, having tea. Politely. And like, relaxed and having what seems to be a nice conversation. And then later on, you know, during that same scene, one of them says something that triggers them into another argument again. <laughs> so, how much of their argument is a, is an act? You know, given that they named him Benedict. Uh-huh. And our uh, particular affinity for Shakespeare. Oh, gosh. I wonder. I'm wondering how much of it is an act. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll or, find out. Or Benedict and Bodle here. <laughs> Benedict and Baudelaire but anyways um, yeah that was a really really funny scene I really want to know and you wrote that uh, down yes, too, I wrote like, that down it's like yeah. I want to know what happened between them what happened which apparently something that is said later in it, 
pretty late in episode three, is that she's accusing him of having put a teacup and, and leaving a water stain on a letter she had typed up for That's a client. That's the scene. That's this scene where they were having tea really, really nicely. And then she brings that up. And then he... You put the paper there. This wasn't my fault. Yeah. You put the paper underneath my teacup. (laughs) So, something like that. Yeah. Um, But anyways, so now um, we get to the school... And um, the teacher but, just... But I, I want to believe that that is, not the, that is not the end of the story. Oh, no. We're, I, ha- I doubt we're, it. We're going to watch more of this show and it's going to uh, it's gonna reveal some more. It's going to reveal more. But um, the teacher, um, they never actually say what her name is in the show. It is on the wiki, but I didn't bother writing down what her name was. They right. just call her instructor. Yes. Um, but she... Um, she... Uh, you know she introduces class and then as soon as they um and her character design she is a very severe matron yes mm-hmm. um but one of the things i really like about her well mm-hmm. real fast um we learn how severe or how strict she is by saying to um um Luculia, um, who's late on her first day, she says, one more tardy and you'll be absent, you know? Yeah, one more tardy counts as an absence. Yeah. More... Yes, ma'am. And she just says, yes, ma'am. And then she just goes right back into it, you know? Um, and she is incredible. She's stern. She's very, very stern, which we learn from um, Iris, mm-hmm. that the, the headmaster or the mistress, the t- instructor is stern. Um, and, and likes to get kids in trouble. Mm-hmm. Then again, you meet Iris and you realize she is the kind of person who gets herself into trouble. Yeah. Well, and throughout the episode, we never see this headmistress uh, or, you know, she's not the headmistress, but the instructor. Um, we never see her yell at anybody. We never see her belittle anybody. No. And that's something that I really, really liked about her because you could have very easily taken a character like that and, um, you know, turned her into the atypical trope where, you know, power hungry teacher who you know you know i'm the one who stands between you and your goal so you have to do everything i tell you to um i'm gonna go ahead and you know nitpick everything that you do to make yourself feel bad um whereas right at the very beginning she just says look you can become well you first thing she says is look you can become a um a doll without a doll without this school but if you go through this school you will become one of the best most renowned dolls in the country yes Mm -hmm. um and no she's never mean to any of the students um she's stern with them but she's never mean and i really 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 like that they did that she is not callous in any manner Mm -hmm. but she is you know you, you can tell that she she's not she's no nonsense Mm-hmm. She will speak her mind, mm-hmm. and she will tell you what you're doing wrong, mm-hmm. because she wants graduates, but she wants graduates who want it bad enough to do the things they're mm-hmm. supposed to do. And um, so we have kind of, I don't want to say a montage, but a lot of short scenes mm-hmm. rather than a montage um, of, of, Violet, education. of Violet and Luculia's uh, education. Um, where they learn grammar and sentence, well, grammar is sentence structure, but they learn yeah. vocabulary and stuff like that. And um, Violet keeps getting perfect scores on these tests. On everything technical. On everything technical, she gets a perfect score. Um, and we keep and- seeing Lucutia, Lucu- uh, Lucutia, mm-hmm. we keep seeing her 
kind of side glancing over at Violet over and over again on every topic, seeing, okay, how can I compete with this? Because Mm. uh, this is something she you clearly see the passion in her eyes that she needs this job. She needs the kind of jobs that this can provide for her, and we Mm -hmm. find out why later. Mm -hmm. But we that she needs this uh, pretty uh, pretty badly, and so instead of you know begging the teacher to be lenient. She's learning from her own classmates how to be the best, mm-hmm. and so she's starting. She's trying to emulate. Mm-hmm. It's clear she's trying and failing, but mm-hmm. do, but doing pretty well to emulate uh, Violet's success mm-hmm. on the technical aspects of things. Um, but eventually, we get to where they're typing, and everyone starts typing except for Violet. And the teacher says, "Violet, why haven't you started? Um, why haven't you started typing?" And Violet just says, "You didn't say how many uh, how fast to go. how fast do you want me to type." And the teacher just goes, okay, give me 200 characters per minute. And Violet just says, affirmative. And and she takes off her gloves again by biting them yeah. off of her hands. And all this, this is the first time the girls see her metallic hands. Mm-hmm. And she just goes, and all the girls get super worried, like, how on earth are we going to compete with that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so... 200 characters per minute. Yeah, it's not 200 words per minute. No. That's actually impossible. <laughs> Well, on a typewriter, it's yeah, so impossible. On a typewriter of that of that mm-hmm. type, yeah. I mean, we're judging their typewriters, but they obviously have the technology to create hands. So, yeah, anime logic for you, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, right there. Logic. Anime logic, um, whatever. Well, it, they've had auto mail for centuries at this point. <laughs> Passed yeah. down the Evergarden family for generations. Yes. Anyways, um. As great it would be to see mm-hmm. an Armstrong cameo in this somewhere. And we, we see, you know, Lu- Luculia trying to become friends with Violet, like offering her her lunch and stuff, when Violet just says, oh, I have was trained to survive off of very little mission, very little food while I was on a mission, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's okay, I don't need it. And then they're walking home together one day, and we see Lu- Lu- Luculia, um, we see her... Um, you know, uh, saying, oh, my home's over here. And then we see her brother drunk um, getting kicked out of a bar. Yes. Um, and then we start... On a seeing, crutch. On a crutch. And we see um, some of her home life. We see her come home with food saying, I'm going to prepare dinner now. When her brother's already passed out on the couch having eaten... He took a bite out of the tomato, a bite out of a piece of bread, a half, half a loaf of bread. Uh, well, a, um, a baguette. Half a baguette yeah. of mm-hmm. bread. And then... Um, and having emptied another bottle, and he's mm-hmm. just drunk, pass out on the couch. Yep. Um, and then we um, we get to a part of the episode where they are starting to actually write letters. Yes. And she and Violet are facing each other. And um, she says, well, how about we go ahead and start with you? Um, and Violet, well, who do you want to write a letter to? And Violet is just like... Um, She's about to say my brother... And then stops herself halfway through and says, mm-hmm. my parents. Well, it was Lucullia offers her to write first. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, I have no idea who I'd want to write to. Um, and then the instructor says, you want to uh, go ahead and just a letter That's of right. who you want That's to right. have, uh, uh, send a letter to someone who you're close to, someone who you want to t- talk to. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she 
proceeds to give a military report <laughs> to the to, address to the major address no, to the major oh was it the major or was it the lieutenant colonel it was the lieutenant colonel. oh that's right the lieutenant colonel that mm-hmm. she sent a, yeah it's uh, the she, lieutenant colonel yeah because she's struggling with what to say to the major yeah she doesn't know what to say to the major but she knows what to report to to the lieutenant colonel that's right um so she um <laughs> so after that it's now violet's turn to do the typing um and um look yeah Lucutia is about to say a letter to her brother, but then she decides to go ahead and talk, say it to her parents. Mm-hmm. And it's this very, very simple letter about, I'm fine, things are going well here, um, the places that we wanted to go to together I haven't had a chance to see yet. Um, I hope to see you soon, love your, love your daughter, love Lucutia. And um, the headmistress grabs the uh, Comes the over, takes the letter, because she's obviously very interested in what Violet has, has written, and because up to this point, Violet has gotten straight A's on every other assignment, mm-hmm. and they're all technical assignments, mm-hmm. all typing speeds, gra- grammar, and mm-hmm. execution. But the ability to print is not the same as the ability to make art. Mm-hmm. And so she says, Violet, read this letter. <laughs> and Violet reads it, and it reads as a military communique. You know, it it's very, very, very straightforward. It's like, you know... Right. No the, no news on this topic. Nothing to report. All is well here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um... She just flat out says that's not a... What you wrote is not a letter. Mm-hmm. And it's completely true. And mm-hmm. what, um... What Lucusia doesn't know is that this is... The pro- this is um, Violet's problem. This is what Violet needs to overcome. This is her current current character flaw mm-hmm. that she needs to overcome. Mm-hmm. And so, Lucutia is all apologetic, and I must not have been clear enough. I, this could, it must be my fault somehow that mm-hmm. this is the way that things happened. Yep. Um, and so she's hyper apologetic and trying to make things, uh, trying to smooth things over with the teacher, and the teacher's having none of it because the teacher knows mm-hmm. that. Each of the students has their own thing that they have to do, and mm-hmm. if if you can't, you know, even if even if your client is unable to adequately express themselves as a doll, you're supposed to tell anyway. Mm-hmm. And that and that's the whole reason she mm-hmm. was at the school to begin with was she's awful at reading people. Mm-hmm. But she and so the next scene we see is graduation, mm-hmm. and all but three of the girls. And get their pin. There's a couple of girls who failed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Violet is one of the girls who failed, even yes, though she, she got straight A's. Uh, but it's also revealed, like, of the girls who uh, did uh, succeed. Um, of the girls who did succeed, who was the top in the class? Well, no. I don't think it was of the girls who did succeed. I think they, it's implied that she is the top of the class. So yes. she was able to overcome everything and become top of the class. Luculia yes. is the top of the class. And, and uh, aside... Um, statement was so where are you going to work I was like oh I haven't even thought about that yet and so you're the top of the class and you don't know where you're going to work yet so yeah um, and then uh, Violet goes home that night and so and and they don't actually cover where she's going to end up working throughout this episode but I do kind of hope to see more of her in future episodes yeah maybe, yeah. maybe she'll join the uh, maybe crew. I don't know uh, I say as as somebody who read the wiki um, but <laughs> no it's fine um she, uh, anyways, Violet goes home that night mm-hmm. and reports to the colonel that she failed her mission. And the colonel's like, it's okay. You didn't need that anyways, you know? 
Um, and the next day she goes back to the classroom mm -hmm. um, and Luculia is there waiting for her and said, oh, I was hoping that you were here. I wanted to see you again. Yep. Um, during all of this, um, bef be before they failed and everything, Luculia it, tries to become closer friends with Violet and Vi she takes Violet to what she says is the best view in the city. Mm -hmm. um, and it's revealed that her, her brother took her there. Um, when they were younger. And it's also revealed in that same scene that um, the major, there's a, we see a bit of a flashback that the major says that, that said, I hope to take, hope to show you the best view in the city, at, in that city at some point. Mm -hmm. And then Violet gets to see it. And she knows that it's, that's what the major wanted to show her. Um, but we get back there and Violet, um, we get back to the school, and Kulia is still determined to help Violet become a doll. And so they pull out a typewriter, and she says, "Okay, let's go ahead and start here. How about you tell me about this major? What do you want? What do you? Who do you want to write a letter to?" And she's the first word she says out of her mouth is "major," and then after that, Violet can't think of anything to say. She has no clue what she yeah, has it, to say. There, there's a jump cut, which mm -hmm. implies the passage of uh, a long passage of time, mm -hmm. and it's just Lakulia. Sitting there with a sheepish, um, you know, pitying smile on mm -hmm. her face going, anything? Can you think of anything to say? Mm -hmm. Well, and then she cuts and then she says, it's okay. I feel I'm actually the same. Well, Violet says, I can't think of anything to say to the major. Um, and um, Luculia says, actually, I'm the same. Um, I want to talk to my brother, but I have no idea what to say to him. And yeah. then she reveals that her brother was recruited into the war or was drafted into the war yeah, when it first started. Drafted. But he was posted in an area where there was no fighting. So mm -hmm. to them, the war was just like this, you know, this other other world type thing. It wasn't even happening to them. Um, but, um, and while this is happening, we see the brother, you know, you know, he, he's become a cripple because of the fighting, of, mm -hmm. because of, of, of the war. Um, and he tries to get up off of the couch and he falls over while some booze, you know, hits him. And we see just his depressed face. Yeah. And we learn that their parents who ran a business went to go do some business in a major city. And that major city ended up being attacked and they never found their parents. So yeah. their parents were presumed dead. Um, no trace of them. There, were no tr there was no trace of them. Um, and they... And so uh, the son uh, blames the death of the parents on himself, mm -hmm. um, and that's why he drinks. And so he's he went to the bar and he's trying to get some drinks, to, uh, you know. He drinks and he brawls. Yeah, he and he got into a huge fight with a bunch of people, and he actually held his own fairly well, considering he was crippled and you know, outnumbered five to one. Yeah. He actually did fairly well. I felt um, it must be that soldier's training, I guess. But um, we then see, um, and she's explaining and says, I just want to tell him I'm so happy he's alive, yes. you know, because I have him still. I was so happy when he came home. And um, she just she just gets super embarrassed by telling Violet this mm -hmm. and gets up and runs out. And then Violet just thinks to herself, um, and Violet just sits down and writes a letter. And she... Does and this is when we see Violet for the very first time take her gloves off by using her hands instead of biting them, mm -hmm. and that to me is a symbol of Violet really finally starting to become a full human. 
Um, because up until then, we, like, why did she pick the dog? Because she, uh, because someone called her a dog once. Because someone called her the, the, the major's dog. And what do dogs do? They pick things up with their mouths. And how often do we see her use her mouth as a tool to pick things up or to put on or take off her gloves? All the time. And this is the first time where we see her. She's about to do it. She's about, she raises her hand to her mouth to bite off the glove. And then she stops and she takes off the gloves with her hands. And then she goes and she starts typing. And the next thing we see, we see the brother beat up on the street uh, underneath the um, the, the tower. Be- the bell tower. The bell tower that shows the best view in the city. Yes. And he is about to, um, you know, I honestly thought that he was feeling suicidal at that point. That's the vibe yeah. that I got from him. Because he's beat up, he's bruised. But then he hears these footprints coming towards him. Yeah, and, and a light's getting closer. And there's a light getting closer. And he thinks that, you know, it's somebody to f- come here to finish the job. Yeah. And so he grabs his crutch and he swings it, and but then Violet expertly blocks it. Yeah, with her uh, with metallic arm. With her metallic arm, and she hands him a letter and he says, "Who's this from?" And he says, "It's." And she says, "It's from Lucina or Lu- Luculia." Mm-hmm. And he reads it, and it's just a very, very simple, short sentence that just says, "Dear brother, I'm so happy that you're alive, and love your sister." Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm, thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm getting teary eyed just talking about it because it's just a short, sweet, powerful scene. And, um, it's, I'm positive it saved her brother's life. Yeah. That one letter. Um, and then the next day, um, she's back at the school again and, uh, or like, uh, she's about to start her work and then Luculia rushes in and embraces her and she's so happy and she takes her to meet the instructor at the school mm-hmm. and the instructor gives her her pin and she says this shows that you can be a doll yeah. this 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 is a letter um and yeah so so uh, she gets her pin and uh the the episode ends with the sister so there's major flashbacks happening so before the parents were dead while the children were young mm-hmm. the older brother was leading his sister up this massive flight of stairs to the top of the bell when they're both children and they're both mm-hmm. children at sunset so it's golden hour it's very it's this gorgeous yellow hues um mm-hmm. at sunset it's just beautiful they, they can see the whole city from the bell tower um and um the exact same time of day is repeated when um at the end of this episode Luculia mm-hmm. helps her crippled brother up those same four or five mm-hmm. flights of wooden yeah. stairs mm-hmm. up to the bell tower to see together again mm-hmm. and just, you know, be together and mm-hmm. heal as a family. Yep. And, yeah. and then it goes into more um, uh, voiceover monologues as Luculia talks about what uh, the kind of effect that Violet has been on her life. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, so episode two, it was Erica. Episode three, it's Laculia. And I'm beginning to sense that there might be a recurring pattern mm-hmm. moving forward that she's just going to affect the lives of more and more people. Possibly, yeah. I know the next episode, she's uh, apparently Iris gets caught up on something and uh, she goes to help Iris with it. Okay. So that was the synopsis for episode four. Okay. Um, but yeah, so final thoughts on um, Violet Evergarden. Um, I have heard 
that the show doesn't keep up what it's uh the, the the promise of the first few episodes from other reviewers i don't know i can't testify to that myself mm -hmm. i hope it's not true mm -hmm. um some people just they have certain they they dream up certain expectations of shows and don't let them deviate from their expectations mm -hmm. uh i'm I think the show is absolutely gorgeous within mm -hmm. the first three episodes. I think the premise is simple enough and uh, heartfelt enough that it, uh, it it's it's absolutely wonderful what I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely going to give the rest of the show a try. Um, I remember hearing um, from reviewers that it wasn't very good. Um, but on Anime News Network, I mean, it's got uh, it's got an eight point six out of ten, um, which is pretty high for which uh, is pretty high. Uh, for for you know or or a show, um, so I am very very much looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, I'm keeping my expectations. I'm trying to keep my expectations low for it, um, not because I want to be you know not because I'm expecting to be disappointed, but I find that if I let my expectation expectations get too high, it almost never matters what actually is in the show. It right. won't meet my expectations right. for it. What I've seen so far, I love. And I really, really want to see the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's right. my final thoughts on the show. Me too. Okay, so that's it for um, Violet Evergarden. Mm -hmm. um, next week, what are we going to watch? It's your pick. And this, this next week, we are going to be reviewing the first three episodes of Cells at Work. Uh, I've been seeing... a a whole ton of memes of this on Facebook and it's it's just the new big thing that's come out with just adorable characters uh, representing the different cells inside of our body um, our, the uh, artwork demonstrates um, the main character is a red blood cell who has this um, uh, beret, beret mm -hmm. has, has a beret in the shape of a red blood she's cell. She's a delivery girl. She's a delivery girl. Mm -hmm. Which is what red blood cells do. They mm -hmm. deliver oxygen and nutrients to the cells yep. in the body. And so she's a delivery girl and she's accompanied by a guy all in white except for when he's covered in the blood of his enemies mm -hmm. who is a white blood cell. Mm -hmm. And then there is just a collection of kindergarten age children who are the platelets. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and so... So and there, there's just memes all around mm -hmm. that just adore. I've already watched characters. the first three episodes, but I stopped myself from watching any more because I knew we were going to be doing this for three episodes in at one point. Yes. So I'll and just rewatch. And I have not watched one, not watched a single episode in anticipation of doing this. I've already watched in. the first episode several times just because I've been introducing introducing the show to people. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. The uh, the Crunchyroll synopsis reads. This is a story about you, a tale about the inside of your body. According to a new study, the human body contains approximately 37 trillion cells. These cells are hard at work every day within a world that is your body. From the oxygen-carrying red blood cells to the bacteria-fighting white blood cells, get to know the unsung heroes and the drama that unfolds inside of you. Well, I'm enjoying to rewatching those first three episodes, so we can go ahead and talk about them next week. <laughs> so, how many times have you seen the first episode now? Probably three or four. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just keep introducing it to people, and they're just like, "This show's amazing." And I'm like, "I know, right?" <laughs> so, fantastic. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for three episodes in. Let's move on to recommendation of the week. All right. And this week it's my turn, and I'm recommending Princess Ghibli 1 and 2, the albums from Imaginary Flying Machines. Apparently, Imaginary Flying Machines, which is named after a Studio Ghibli short, um, what they do, what it is, is it's a handful of uh, Japanese and European heavy metal bands mm-hmm. who have collaborated on a studio album that um, takes theme songs from major Studio Ghibli releases Mm -hmm. and does heavy metal covers of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the one who introduced this to me. Yes, I I was. I've introduced introduced this to a lot of people. And it's it's not uh, heavy metal. It's actually death metal, Uh Um, and which is a much, much heavier, more hardcore version of metal. Um, and a lot faster too. Um, and death people, when people hear the phrase death metal, they think evil. Death metal isn't evil. A lot of death metal is actually like about, you know, uh, they, they sing about mythology and Norse gods and things like that. Sure. Um, they actually sing about really cool stuff. Um, but one of the reasons it has the name death metal is because it's, it's, it's the form of music that has a very gravelly, growly, you know, singing, uh, sure. uh, singing voice for it. Um, it also has a style of singing called Beauty and the Beast, where you have a beautifully trained, professional, usually operatic female singer, mm-hmm. and then the male grunt, you know, growly, demonic sound, mm-hmm. um, and they call that Beauty and the Beast. Sure. Um, and when I first heard that they had done a death metal album covering Studio Ghibli music, I wanted to cry. I was like, why on earth would you do that? Why? And then I listened to one of the songs. And then I listened to another. Well, and my curiosity got the best of me. So yeah, and then I listened to one of the songs, I listened to another, and then another. And before I knew it, I had bought the album. And have spread the word of that album for to anybody who's willing to listen. It's awesome. It is so well done. Like, it is a massive love letter to Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but... If this is this is your recommendation of the week, so why oh, are you yes. recommending it? Well, <laughs> I'm recommending it because it's just that good. Um, you can listen to any of the songs on YouTube mm-hmm. right now. Um, but I do highly recommend you go out and buy the tracks and support the artists who uh, created it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I absolutely, absolutely love the cover that they did. The, the, the album one, Princess Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Um, track 12 is the Nosca Requiem. That's a very, very good one. It is just glorious. My personal favorite is their death metal cover of the Japanese cover of Country Roads. Like the John Denver Country Roads? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in Whispers of the Heart. I forget. I could be wrong, but I know in one of the Ghibli movies, one of the ones that actually hasn't been released here in the States, unless, unless, unless it has, then I didn't hear about it. Um... This little girl's asked to sing a song for mm-hmm. some for some raccoons, and so she sings "Country Road" in Japanese, and so they do a death metal cover of the Japanese cover of "Country Roads." That sounds amazing. It is amazing. You should listen to it. It's my favorite song on the on both albums. Um, uh, which album is it on? The first one. Is it? Okay. I, I personally, I think the first one's stronger than the second one, but the second one's still pretty good. Okay. Um, okay, so yeah, that's it for Recommendation of the Week. Unless right. there's something else you want to talk about it? No. 
All right, next then, it's the creator shout-out. And this could have been news, but I wanted to go ahead and share it uh, for the creator shout-out. But I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to Concerned Ape, also known as Eric Barone. He is the man who single-handedly programmed all of Stardew Valley. If you don't know what Stardew Valley is, it is an indie version of Harvest Moon, and it is the best Harvest Moon game I've ever played. Really? It's incredible. Um... The reason I'm bringing it up today is because as of today, August 1st, they have officially launched the multiplayer version of it, where you now have one player who owns the farm and a bunch up to four buddies can join in as farmhands. And every single one of them can flirt with um, the potential people to marry in the game and, um, you know, end up having families on your farm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's... uh, I've, I, I played the beta of it, and today was the official release uh, for the multiplayer. Uh, I've got his links for Twitter. Uh, he actually has a YouTube channel. I don't think he updates that very often. But it also, there's the link to his blog for on stardewvalley.net. And we'll go ahead and have those up on the site. But I just wanted to go ahead and give a shout-out, kind of as a celebration, to finally releasing the, multi- the multiplayer patch uh, for, um, for um, Stardew Valley, which hmm. you can play on the Switch, the PS4, uh, the PC. I believe it's on Xbox One as well. Um, but I have it for the PC and for the Switch. Okay. Um, okay, so that about wraps it up for us today, unless we forgot anything. No, nope, that covers it. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening in this week. Uh, if you listened on YouTube, please feel free to like and subscribe our channel. Uh, subscribe to our channel. If you like what we do and want to support us, please spread the word of our podcast or even support us on Patreon. Uh, and where can they find us on social media? Well, our website has links to our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter, as well as our Patreon and YouTube pages. So if you just go to WhitakerWeekly.com, you can uh, branch out from there. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess that's it for this week. I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. And you guys have a great week. Uh-huh.